I'm on the Queen's Highway, the road from Nandi to Suva. The beguiling Vitilevu coastline's not the only thing to catch the eye. Enormous road safety billboards have been appearing at regular intervals along the route, and on them a big smiling image of Commodore Frank Bainimarama. The message appears to be less about reducing accidents and more about promoting the leader of the current government. It almost looks like an election campaign underway. I'm Sally Round, and in this insight, I'm in Fiji, taking stock of developments as the country heads towards a new constitution before elections promised for 2014. This is the parliament chamber of the Parliament of Republic of Fiji. Anyone's welcome to tour Fiji's parliamentary chamber. You just need to make an appointment with a tour guide. The design is quite interesting because the parliament complex follows that of the traditional Fijian villages. It's dim and silent, but floors are still swept, the wood kept polished, and the banks of empty seats dusted. On the far right is where the government sits. Whoever wins the elections forms the government. Over there is where the speaker sits. While all is serene now, Parliament was the scene of turmoil during the 2000 coup, when a gang led by George Spate stormed the complex and took 35 MPs and the Prime Minister Mahendra Chowdhury hostage. Democracy was restored a year later. But since 2006, after Commodore Frank Bainimarama's coup, the chamber has been empty and debate silenced. But the interim government has promised it will come alive again after elections in 2014. These would be the first polls since the ethnically polarized vote of May 2006, which resulted in what was to be a short-lived coalition between the SDL party of Lysenia Ngarase, backed by indigenous Fijians, the Tauke, and Mahendra Chowdhury's Labour Party, drawing support from those of Indian ethnicity. But first, the regime is planning a new constitution. Three years ago, it tore up the last one, drawn up in 1997, after the courts decided its takeover was illegal. The interim government has already prescribed what it calls non-negotiables for the new document, including proportional representation, the elimination of ethnic voting, and a lowered voting age of 18. Ayaz Syed Kayum is the regime's attorney general and recently minister for electoral reform. We want to hear from the ordinary people. In order to hear from the ordinary people, we want them to have a view. Previously, they were focused on issues about ethnicity. But nobody, in fact, put into the public forum, should we have a government for five years? Should it be for four years? Should it be for three years? Do we need a Senate or not? There are many issues. But Peter Wangavonovono of the Young People's Concerned Network says he knows many people who won't be taking part. It's not only a, a vote of no confidence on the regime, it's also sort of like reaffirming our beliefs that the 1997 constitution is uh, still the sovereign law of the country. The union movement has been at loggerheads with the regime over restrictions to its activity, and one of its chiefs, Felix Anthony has serious concerns about the whole process underway. We don't believe that uh, that should be the role of the interim government, uh, nor should the military be involved in the process in any shape or form. We don't want this process to be misused as, as a propaganda agenda for, for the interim regime. But most of civil society, the non-government organisations in Fiji, have taken the path of engagement with the regime. The head of the Citizens' Constitutional Forum, 
Reverend Aquila Yambaki, explains why his organization thinks it's vital to take part. The major question is uh, can, how can we be assured that this constitution will not be cooled or got rid of, removed again? And the fundamental uh, answer is that we sh the people should participate and make this constitution their own. A politician and former opposition leader, Mick Beddoes, says it's all just lovely words, but really nothing's changed and the regime is still controlling everything. There's still the decree in place that allows the government to uh, castrate me and all the other political leaders and, and, and make up stories and absolutely destroy our characters. There are these other decrees that prohibit us from calling meetings as and when we want, where we want, how we want. Well, I'm here on the main streets of Nandi, Fiji's second city and the gateway to the country. About five weeks after devastating floodwaters swept through here, the town people are still trying to get back to business. Flood damage sales signs are up, some shops have closed, and business people are weary from the clean-up. We lost mostly three to four weeks' business. Nobody came in because most of the tourists, they were frightened, they're all running away from Fiji. And they had to catch the Mahbub Mashuk Ali runs a business offering information to tourists just off Nandi's main street. In May, with only a trickle of tourists returning, Mr. Ali had time for a chat, not just about the slow pace of business, but Fiji's current political situation and the Bainimarama government, of which he's a fervent supporter. According to my 48 years experience, I found this government is the best government in the South Pacific. What they say, they do it. And number one, they brought all the race together. Other government, they were trying to divide to fill their own pocket, but this government is not worried about filling their pocket. They're just trying to help everyone, all the citizens, they're trying to help. Uh, whoever stand on, on behalf of this government, I'm going to support. The word is that they are going to form a political party. Uh, well, that's what we want. I don't know whether the government want or not, but we want this government to be governed for another five years. But at the moment, they rule by decree. Is that okay? Well, decree, that saves us our time, our money, and we, we like this decree. Do you think many people think like you do? More or less, say about 70-70% people. They like and they trust this government. Are people excited about having elections? Uh, well, they, what they, they're taking very easy, but they know they really wanted this government to take it over. This is my cousin. At the headman's house in Nakavu village on the outskirts of Nandi, three generations of women from the same family have rolled out a traditional mat where we can sit and talk. Makareta says young people have little knowledge of voting or democracy and civic education is sorely needed. I'm 25 and uh, when I had democracy it was like new and I don't even know what democracy means and I came to understand what does democracy means. Most of the youth, they're school dropouts. They're, most of them are being dropped out from class four, form three, even USP students and if they have lack of knowledge of what democracy means, if if this would be done in every community, I think this is something that would make the youth understand more about democracy and what they need to do in 2014. Aseri is looking forward to raising the status of women 
through parliamentary representation. We want most of the ladies to be in the parliament so we can raise a, easy to raise an issue to them. Because, you know, in our customs, we always uh, try to take an issue to the men. I'm happy because it's going to be the first time for me to go and to be part of the elections, to go and vote. And do you believe that it will happen? You're looking doubtful. Yeah, we are all hoping that we, uh, 2014 we'll have the election. Why do you think it's not going to happen? <laughs> because of the democracy of this country. <laughs> <laughs> And what about the freedom to discuss issues? Andy says there's a culture of silence, which even at traditional kava or grog sessions will be hard to break. People uh, are just being quiet and they talk only during grog session because at times when there's a grog session, if there's somebody wants to talk something about military, they'll say like this, hey, be careful. Be careful, the wall has ears. Hey, be careful, uh, some people could be walking around. Hey, be careful, that person is a relative to so-and-so. So right now, during rock sessions and uh, family sessions, we have to be aware. Yeah, It's not an uh, openness and uh, we can just say something about something because uh, military is military. That's what I always tell my children. We just have to move with the flow. Keep praying, keep doing your best. Yashmin lives by the coast in Nandi. She managed to escape with her family when the April floodwaters poured in. Constitutions and elections couldn't be further from her thoughts. And how far did the water come up to? Uh, well, it was above my head. In fact, above my head in the house. <laughs> so we're standing in this room here, and that would be sort of, gosh, a good two metres here. Yeah, yeah, above two metres, in fact. <laughs> Yeah. She describes herself as a typical middle-class housewife, topping up her civil servant husband's salary with eggs and vegetables from her small farm. The floods have set them back five years financially. Oh, I'm in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. uh, still it's counted as a poverty line. Yeah. Poverty is the main thing that uh, is on mind of every person in Fiji at the moment, yes. Uppermost for her is rebuilding and getting the best education for her children. But what does she think of Commodore Frank Bailey-Marama and does she feel free to express her views? I think he's doing uh, quite good. Yeah. Why do you say that? Uh, because uh, he's trying to do things for, uh, like, uh, he's a multiracial man. I think he's a multiracial man. All this while he's been doing everything for everybody, all the citizens in this uh, country. Do you talk freely about politics? Oh, yes, yes. We sit down, we have our clubs, we talk about things and we talk about religion and we talk about the floods and, uh, you know, many other uh, things. But, uh, yeah, at times we are you know, a bit hesitant to talk about the politics. Why are you hesitant? Uh, well, uh, that's very hard to answer. <laughs> Just like uh, we feel scared we might say something wrong that will affect our government. Many people feel that way. 
I think uh, people, they don't want to say much. They just wait and watch what's going on. And uh, uh, they are ready for everything. They're ready to take the challenges whatsoever comes across. The floods have delayed the interim government's plans for its own civic education on the constitution. But it's given the green light to non-government groups like the Citizens Constitutional Forum or CCF to press ahead with their workshops around the country. And that's pleased the group's head, Aquila Yambaki, who believes the work is essential. I've been given the clearance by government authorities. You go ahead with the work that you are doing. You don't wait for government to do it. And I, I do know that uh, what government has is inadequate. Uh, I, uh, but it's actually towing the line along. But it's not about people's participation so much, people thinking for themselves, people uh, being part of the process now and even beyond the adoption, adoption of constitution. Civic education will continue. We're going to Tavua next week to look at the Indo-Fijian community there. It's our first series of uh, Indo-Fijian community workshops. CCF educators have spent more than 20 years promoting human rights, democracy and multiculturalism around Fiji. Because I was suggesting to Sunen, I was doing some of those things about the word constitution itself. Eh? Yeah. We can leave it in English, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, what we've I mean, done is review... The Citizens' Constitutional Forum has seen governments and constitutions come and go. But at this stage, on the path towards a return to elections, there's renewed urgency to its work with Fiji's grassroots. It's just going to be single cartoon illustrations of a suggestion box in a community there to show people to putting their, their submissions in. Today, volunteer John Turner and media officer Ronnie Lal are reviewing a brochure aimed at provoking debate and encouraging people to put forward their own ideas for Fiji's fourth constitution. Even if they are not very literate, we have that in the vernacular language for them. But even the younger generation, if they see illustrations, they'll actually want to read it. And that's the overall objective is to try and get as many people as possible to pick up those brochures, find out about the constitution-making process, why it's important. I'm uh, Seri Malutumbula and the team lead of the education uh, program of the Citizen Constitutional Forum. One of the messages that we take out is human rights taking them through so that they come to know their rights, their responsibilities, using case studies so that they can relate because a lot of them, this is the first time ever that they are doing any work on uh, human rights. So majority is no, is sitting back and thinking hard whether they want to take part, especially when they're telling us the current political environment will not be able to let us say what we want to say. If we say something that, that the government does not want to hear, then we are going to be running the camp over. <laughs> what do we say? Repercussions, eh? So that is a real challenge for yeah, the job that you're doing. Yeah, for, for us, that we are trying to create a positive environment for them so that they to encourage participation. In a wing of Parliament buildings in Suva, the head of the newly set up Constitution Commission, Professor Yashgai, is about to outline to the media details of just how this new consultative body will go about its work. Much hope has been pinned on this man from Kenya, who's been described as Mr. Fixit. Also key is the independence and integrity of the Commission itself. We want to give every uh, Fijian an opportunity to, to, to meet us, to 
Professor Guy stressed the need to get everyone talking and making submissions, which the Commission would then analyse in an atmosphere of accountability and openness. Two very important challenges facing Fiji as many other countries is developing a sense of national identity as Fijians without rubbing out your diversity of cultures and traditions and languages and religions. And the second one is to restructure the state in ways that it becomes more effective, uh, more accountable. Uh, everybody Professor Guy said the regime hadn't placed any obstacles in his way so far, and he hoped the authorities would review laws to see if restrictions go beyond what is strictly necessary. The most important role in the beginning will be to listen to the people, and I mean that, I don't mean that's a cliché. We really want to know what Fijians are thinking and wanting, how they live, what difficulties they have, how they think their situation can be improved. On this bus wending its way through the streets of Suva, what stands out most, far more than their cultural diversity, is the passengers' youthfulness. More than half of Fiji's population of 840,000 is under 25, and that youth bulge will grow further by 2014. Young people's preparedness and political awareness come election time will be a crucial factor in the elections. Peter Wangavonovono is the youthful face of Fiji's pro-democracy movement. The leaders or the politicians uh, come 2014 uh, will be leaders who can convince young people that they are modern, that they fit into uh, what young people, what young people actually want for Fiji. And uh, here in Fiji, a lot of young people, they're, they're very well educated. They're almost um, sort of like bought by very liberal ideas, democratic sort of like principles. And so a lot of these uh, young people will vote for any, any uh, political party or leader that can promise them a future that's safe, that's secure for every individual regardless of uh, your ethnicity, your sexuality, because this youth population is way different from the generation uh, of leaders that uh, we used to have. So will the old faces of politics past be able to appeal to this new generation? Mick Beddoes was opposition leader at the time of the last coup. He started gearing up for elections by holding what he calls pocket meetings around the country, sidestepping the need for a permit to hold political gatherings in Fiji. Let's not forget that in 2006, fresh out of a general election, we were elected. And that, that, uh, that opportunity to finish our job, our five-year term, was taken from us. I have to start from the beginning, which is to reignite the party machinery, have the annual general meetings, get the legal footing right, get the selection process done, and let the people on the party decide who they want. His United People's Party has linked up with Labour and the SDL party to counter regime members who they've heard are going to make a stand in the polls. The grouping wants the regime out of government, well ahead of elections, to ensure a level playing field. They have appointed themselves as the watchdog of Fiji. That's not their role. That's not why they were established. The military should have nothing to do with an electoral process that elects the representatives of the people. It is the people's choice. I look forward to the day when the members of the regime or whoever is in that political party that they're going to form uh, has the strength and the courage 
to stand up on national television and uh, debate me and other political leaders uh, without any protection on any decrease and, and have everything that comes out of our mouth subject to the full scrutiny of the people and the wrath of the people if we are wrong. And I'm ready for that. The Trade and Entertainment Fair Fiji Showcase is on in Suva. Thousands have poured in to taste the food, buy cheap goods and laugh at Cookie the Clown. Just down the road, Commodore Frank Bainimarama is opening a housing development and the interim government is keen to showcase what it says are positive developments. The regime has hired an overseas PR firm to shake off any accusations of a military dictatorship responsible for serious human rights abuses. But many in Fiji say the military remains the elephant in the room. The Attorney General and spokesman for the regime, Ayaz Syed Kayum, recently laughed off Australia's Foreign Minister Bob Carr when he asked whether a future parliament would have reserved seats for the military. I tackled Mr Syed Kayum again on the future constitutional role of the military. Never before in Fiji's history has there been any reference in any constitution about the size of the military in the constitution. So I don't see that as an issue. I mean, you are now trying to impute something into a constitution that is not a constitutional issue. Obviously, people are free to go and say whatever they like. How that is translated into a national constitution is for us to see and for the Constituent Assembly to debate. There has been talk that the government is going to form a political party, the current government, and is going to run for election. Does that interest you? You mean personally? I, we have not even talked about the issue. It seems to be people seem to know more about what we are doing than we ourselves. So politically, are you interested? Are you, are you a political animal? We have not discussed this matter at all. Mr. Syed Kayum says those in the political old guard are like fish out of water in Commodore Bainimarama's future Fiji, which the leader has stipulated will have a constitution that bans any system of voting based on ethnicity. The key political parties are predicated on ethnic agenda, and that, I think, is the crux of the issue. None of these politicians have contested elections ever on a national basis. National basis in the sense in trying to appeal to all citizens. They have always fundamentally gone down to ethnicity. You have, for the first time in Fiji's history, a prime minister that says everybody's Fijian openly. Mick Beddoes says the Attorney General is just spouting rhetoric. If people think that in the next general election that removing the ethnic uh, portion of voting uh, that suddenly the Indian community and the Fijian community will drop all their prejudices and run towards each other and embrace and hug and say, hey, let's vote for each other's candidates. Then these people who think that obviously come from another planet. In my generation, my, my age group, there still remains a level of prejudices and, and, and mistrust and what have you. But when I look at my children, my children have uh, friends from all races and they're very close friends. And the issue of race does not even come into the picture at any, at any stage. So eventually, over the next two or three, I say next three elections, uh, we'll find that the, the prejudices will to totally disappear. What are you doing? Talking to the devil! Actors explore themes of racial tension, free speech and tradition in their play Constitution. It will travel around Fiji, aimed at stimulating debate. You better watch out. If death finds you, he's gonna fix you up. 
Dem is a classmate. What's your problem? The theatre troupe is run by the group Women's Action for Change, which has long been involved in civic education. The director, Paula De Vetta, says the play will travel throughout the country. It promotes human rights, equality, and justice for all, and uh, yeah, fairness. The interim government is about to start registering voters with a high-tech electronic system from Canada. But there's been little concern about how else the data might be used. Critics like Felix Anthony say there are many other important questions still to be answered by the regime before registration starts. We have no idea whatsoever as to who's going to be part of the Constituent Assembly and what kind of mandate will it possess and where it would get its authority to make a decision on the Constitution itself. So some questions that need to be answered before I think we can seriously look at moving into the review process itself. We believe that they need to concentrate first and foremost on setting up an independent electoral commission and the education process should be the responsibility of the electoral commission itself. This should not be an excuse for the interim regime to campaign and try and convince people of its own agenda. Even as Yashgai and his commissioners set about collecting submissions, there have been renewed fears in Fiji of media censorship and fresh accusations of verbal intimidation by senior military figures. Peter Wangavonovono says his own experiences will prohibit him from taking part on principle. He says he's been roughed up by the regime, but for legal reasons he won't give further details. But he says he will help others make their submissions. The problem is uh, this has been an, a regime that makes a lot of promises. And it seems like when the time comes for them to deliver, they sort of like jump into the water halfway. Many times we've actually looked and we've uh, seen a lot of false promises uh, coming from the current administration. So right now, what's important for us is that we as uh, sort of like advocates say that we continue to just be positive and we continue to uh, spread that message of uh, optimism and encourage the current regime eh, to move forward. But others are more optimistic and the civil society leader Aquila Yambaki has high hopes. People should participate and make this constitution their own. That has not been the case in 1970, neither in 1990, uh, bit in 1997. But uh, we need to look at um, the, the past constitutions, uh, its strengths and weaknesses. Those would be the background out of which we approach this. As the theatre group's drama Constitution plays out on stages around Fiji, there's much hope around the country democratic elections will become a reality. I'm Sally Round and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to contact us you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or tweet us at rnz underscore insight. I wrote and presented that program. It was produced by Philippa Tolley with technical production by Damon Taylor and Dominic Godfrey.